Prince was a man who not only made music, but made music history, just like David Bowie, who died a few months earlier. In the absence of real information about deaths like these, and sometimes when we have real information, we humans long to see patterns even when there are none. And so sometimes we, well, just make things up. With its masses of data, the Internet should make people less credulous. But paradoxically, it's made it easier to cook the numbers to endorse just about any notion. Here's where Gary Smith steps in. The Pomona College economics professor runs the numbers to bust the myths and debunk the mythologizers. Gary Smith, there are so many entrenched beliefs about death, especially the deaths of the famous. Well, the thing, the thing um, that struck me was it started up with people talking about, wow, there have been a lot of celebrities that die lately. And uh, some people even said that celebrities die in threes, which goes back to an old adage that used to be that Jesuits die in threes. Jesuits, so people would go along and somebody die and then nothing, and then somebody died and nothing. And then three in a row would die and say, isn't that remarkable that Jesuits die in threes? When things cluster, we think something special is going on. And so the statistical study, they went back and they got data over 40 years of Jesuit deaths. But it was almost exactly what you'd expect if deaths were random. And it's, it's the same thing with uh, people making a lot of shots in basketball or uh, people saying, well, isn't that weird? We had Prince die. And just a few weeks ago, wasn't it uh, Doris Roberts and Patty Duke and Frank Sinatra Jr.? And deaths seem to be clustering here. And there's nothing more to it than that. Except, except it exposes the fact that uh, our minds are not conditioned to interpret clustering as random. No, I mean, I think that always happens. It's like, okay, here's one. What are the next two? So you're kind of it, just lying down trying to figure out. It's a saying for a reason. People yeah. say death comes to threes because it does. It really happens. Nowadays, celebrities are, of course, more part of our consciousness than, than Jesuits. A BBC story in the wake of Prince's death began... We are only four months in, but it's already been a dark, dark 2016. It now seems rare for a week to pass without a significant celebrity death being reported. Ominous, but true. Part of it is, uh, over time, the number of celebrities have been increasing. I was looking up celebrity deaths in the past few weeks or so, and there are a lot of people there who are called celebrities, but I never heard of. Female wrestler who's also, I think, a porn star. I don't even know her name, but... She's counted as some kind of celebrity. I think as you expand the universe through social media, there, there's so many people that are so famous worldwide and famous for different things. You expand the number of celebrities, of course, you're going to expand the number of celebrity deaths. I wouldn't put any significance to that other than the fact that the number of celebrities has been growing as, as the, through the Internet and 70,000 television channels. And, Just love Prince. More than life itself. The internet is full of data. Anyone can find just about anything there and make it look true. Yes. It goes back to uh, decades ago, people did uh, calculations by hand. They had to do things, and it was hard to do calculations. 
And so they thought hard before they start calculating. And nowadays, the calculations are so easy with the big computers and the data is so plentiful that people go out and they massage, mangle, and manipulate data to come up with all sorts of crazy theories. And uh, they make the headlines specifically because they are provocative and they're interesting. And people say, wow, that, that's really wild. And then I go and look at it, and it turns out that what they've done is they've tortured the data. There's a famous saying in economics that if you torture the data long enough, it will confess. So with, with, with lots of data and with powerful computers, you can just torture the data and torture the data until you find something that uh, is provocative, statistically significant, and publishable. And then maybe you get uh, tenure, you get funding, you get on the radio or on the television or in the newspapers. And then uh, somebody like me comes along and looks at it and finds out that, in fact, there was nothing there but a, a chance, a coincidental correlation that was uncovered by the data. Look up here. I'm in heaven I've got scars that can't be seen David Bowie died just a few days after his latest album was released, which for some people reinforced the notion that dying people choose to postpone their deaths until after some major milestone in their lives. I have a friend out that works in a cancer center in Cleveland, and... Uh, when people have terminal cancer and they die the day after their wedding, the day after their birthday, the day after their wife's birthday, the day after their kid's birthday, people remember it and say, wow, they postponed death. And he went and looked at all the cancer deaths over some 20-year period, and there's absolutely no relationship between when people died and birthdays, anniversaries, other, other kinds of celebrations. And it's the same with David Bowie. I mean, there are lots of celebrities who died on days that were not after an album before an album was released or after their birthday or after their anniversary or after Christmas or after Thanksgiving. And, of course, those, those didn't get reported. I can still remember that John Adams, the second president and one of the founders, died on the same day as Thomas Jefferson, the third president and one of the founders. And that day was the 4th of July in 1826. Whoa! But then you got James Madison who died, I think it was six days before the 4th of July. And so why couldn't he postpone his death until the 4th of July? Does your work as a numbers mythbuster make you unpopular? <laughs> well, so, certainly with some of the people whose myths I've, I've uh, busted. And then when somebody comes along and says, that's a bunch of uh, bull, of course, that doesn't go over too well. I haven't had any death threats about it. But <laughs> I, get, I get these uh, emails from people telling me uh, why I'm wrong because they know for a fact that you know, Uncle Louie died the day after his birthday or something. There's a saying in statistics that uh, data is not the plural of anecdote. One person who got a heart attack on the fourth day of the month, one person who died after their birthday, and so you, you turn that into that's, that's evidence. And so I get these emails from people telling me that uh, I'm the one who's making the mistake. <laughs> Have people actually gotten grants and tenure and chairs as a result of this? Oh, sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It happens all the time. I was in a... Um, a conference up at the Googleplex a few months ago. They invited in these people from all sorts of sciences, astrophysics, biology, chemistry, economics, and one of the hot topics was what they called the replication crisis. In all these fields, somebody makes some breakthrough study, and then they publish the results, and they get some fame or tenure or funding or whatever, and then somebody goes out and tries to replicate it, 
and it, it's, there's nothing there. Carl Sagan talked about humans as pattern-seeking creatures. We see a man in the moon when there is no man in the moon. Is that what you're up against, too, that, that our human instinct is to look for repetition, for things we recognize in the masses of unrecognizable stuff? That's definitely the case. And so with our distant ancestors, uh, seeing patterns had some kind of survival value. And so if a noise in the bush often meant there was some tiger hiding there, then you got to you, you get the pattern. Noise in the bush means danger, and so I think we're I think we're genetically programmed to look for patterns, and it it gives us comfort to be able to make sense of the world and not think about things as being so random. Is it frustrating then to think that you're up against something we're hardwired to do? It is frustrating, and part of the part of the frustration is that uh, we can't really do serious science without data, and these wacky theories that get published. They, they cast a shadow on all, all scientific research, and that was, that was part of the replication crisis that people talked about. Was It was undermining the credibility of science that so many things get published. You know, chocolate's bad for you. No, chocolate's good for you. Coffee's bad for you. No, coffee's good for you. Margarine's better than butter. No, butter's better than margarine. It just undermines the, the whole scientific endeavor. It, it undermines the credibility. Once you show that that kind of conclusion is bogus, how hard is it to unring that bell? Because Mark Twain said, a lie gets halfway around the world before the truth can put its shoes on. Still true? Still true. This, this idea that celebrities can postpone death, and that, that has been refuted over and over, and yet it's still there. So you're playing statistical whack-a-mole? Pretty much. Let's talk about some of those specifically that you have looked at in your work. Um, first of all, I'm sure we can put a shout-out to baseball fans, because baseball players are very superstitious. Are there any superstitions you've had growing Ooh, up? Oh, I got plenty. Talk about plenty. Um, uh, if you do good one day, I'm going to wear the same clothes the next day. <laughs> and believe me, it was a couple of three, four, five days that I was doing good, and I was stink going to the ballpark. <laughs> so that was my, one of my number one. Nothing like specific, but I do continue to to do, I, I duplicate whatever it is that I had success. You know, if I had that, that day, if I had four hits, whatever I ate, whatever route I took to the field, uh, whatever I did, you know, I try to pretty much just do it again. You know, I, I don't wear the same clothes or wear the, you know, not wash anything. I mean, I'm pretty, still, still yeah, I'm still, you know, paying attention to hygiene, but uh, it's nothing like that, but I, I do think about it. What are some of the, the superstitions and the beliefs of baseball players that you have found to be not true? Well, my, my son's actually a, a pretty good baseball player, and so I know a, a lot of these crazy theories with things like when you leave the field, you jump over the baseline, or when you leave the field, you step on the baseline. I don't know how you would test that kind of stuff. And the theory that if you get in the Hall of Fame, you might as well make out your will. There's this great database out there which has the date of birth and the date of death of, and a lot of other statistics about all Major League Baseball players. However, for a lot of the baseball players who were not so famous, who just played a couple of years and disappeared, nobody knows exactly what happened to them or when they died. And so they're entered in this, in this database with no date of death. And so when this person did the study, if somebody was born in 1850 and now we're in the year 2000, they assume the person was 150 years old. <laughs> <laughs> and so the baseball players in the Hall of Fame, of course, we know when they died because they're famous. We kept track of them. And so relative to the overall mass of baseball players, they had relatively short lives, mainly because you had all these obscure players that were recorded with death. They, you know, they lived to 150 or 140 or 120. Yeah. 
Yes, Methuselah Jones, who played for the Yankees, right? Yep. <laughs> 180 and still going strong. Maybe you should change the name of your title or your chair to the Professor of Gullibility Science. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Gary Smith is a professor of economics, teaching statistics and finance at Pomona College. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. Pat Morrison Asks is produced for the Los Angeles Times by Pat Morrison. It's engineered and edited by Todd G. Levin. The interviews with baseball players about their superstitions are from the website clubhousegas.com, and the moment about celebrity deaths by threes comes from Pop Eater's webcast, Girls on Pop. Prince's Raspberry Beret and Kiss are from the Paisley Park Warner Brothers label. David Bowie's Lazarus is from ISO and Columbia. And the scene with Julia Roberts and Richard Gere is from Touchstone's 1990 film, Pretty Woman. I am Pat Morrison. Pat Morrison.